and I would often say, well, let's go through your lyric one phrase at a time, and just as an exercise, maybe we can plug in one, you know, noun or some kind of image of something that people, as soon as they hear the word, they can see something in their mind, and do that one thing for each line, and see what what comes out of that, and often it helps it helps a lot. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Kevin Thomas. Kevin is the founder and CEO of Songwriting Planet, which provides video courses and training that helps aspiring songwriters to reach their musical goals. He's author of a book called Melody Madness, which explores in meticulous detail the ways that songwriters can master melody writing. And his songs personally have had national and international radio airplay. And he's toured all over the United States and Southern Europe, and he's composed and arranged compositions for orchestras. And so I'm really excited to talk to them today about the topic of, of songwriting, you know, because I think that for musicians, really the core of the value they provide, the core of your business is your product and your music is, is so, it's like the, one of the most important leverage points you could focus on. So it's always great to be learning about how can you improve as a songwriter and telling better stories and improving your craft. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Great. Thank you. It's great to be here. So Kevin, I'd love to start off with just hearing a little bit more about yourself and your story and how did you found Songwriting Planet? Sure. You know, I was I was writing songs and I was playing guitar and singing and, and you know, playing other instruments. And I'll tell you this story. I was, I was one time I, w- I would always live in these apartments where it, you, neighbors would bang on the wall when I'm playing music and, and, and it became really hard to practice. And I found myself kind of going out in my car and driving off to weird places and being able to practice or write there. And, and uh, I remember I was out one night in this parking lot. It was like 11 at night doing this and the security guard he would come by and he would like, after a while he started like waving hi to me because he got so used to seeing me there. It was really comical. And I realized that, you know, I'm, I really have a lot of, must have a lot of passion for this to be doing something that ridiculous, you know, in the middle of the night on a regular basis. But um, I also had some confusion. Like I could write good songs, but I couldn't do it consistently all the time. I, I would, I would, you know, sometimes they would come out through inspiration and other times I'd get stuck. And I thought there's, there's got to be some kind of method to this. It, it's, it's more than just inspiration and passion. There's got to be some technique or some, some way to do this more consistently. And I, I thought, started thinking about it and I thought about other arts. I thought, well, with, with painting, you know, people can draw sometimes really good. They're naturally gifted at drawing things and or doing graffiti art or something like that. But then they often go to art college and become really good, like like way better. And then people with who cook, you know, they cook for their family and they learn their their family recipes and they get really good at that. But then they go to to France and become a chef, go to school for chef, and they they become master chefs. And I thought, well, why is that not the case with songwriting? You know, e- even piano players. You know, typically they, it would be expected that you take seven or eight years of piano lessons before you become a professional. But for some reason with, with songwriting and a guitar, it seems to be the case with a guitar as well, but that, that people expect we either have it or you don't. 
Hmm. And I thought, you know, every other art out there, it's expected that you have some kind of training before you get really good at it. Even if you're like a novelist, like the lady who wrote the Harry Potter novels, right? She was very talented, but she also had a college degree in, you know, and she's been studying English. All of us study English from the time we're little kids, right? We, we go to grade school and we learn how to read and write. And then later we can write, you know, people who want to be good at it can be really creative with the way they weave words together and others not so much, but we have all that training behind us. And with me songwriting, people don't, you know, and um, it's like, well, you either have it or you don't. It either comes to you from God or it doesn't. And I thought that that really started to sound more and more ridiculous to me and kind of odd. And so I started looking around for for solutions and I found that, you know, Berklee College of Music had, the, had a, a major in songwriting and they were the only college in the world that did. And they're also, you know, they were the best college in the world for uh, contemporary music. And so I, I started looking into it more and I ended up going there and, and getting accepted. And I was just gonna go for like maybe a semester and see if I liked it. I ended up getting like, staying there, getting a dual major for five year degree. I did it really quickly because I, I hated the winters and it was freezing up there in, in Boston in the winter. And I, I stayed over the summer, took extra classes, got out in a few years, but it, it, they put together a really great program. And the, the cool thing about it was they taught technique. You know, up, to, up until then, I would look at some books about songwriting, and, and a lot of them were just lyric writing. Nothing about the music. It was all about lyrics, mostly. And the, the technique that they taught, techniques were, seemed to be very few and far between. It was very vague, and at Berkeley, they really broke it down into like, techniques. And so, so I, I got a lot out of that, and then also I, I looked at some of the other really famous songwriters out there, and I thought, well, they didn't do this. You know, how did they get so good? And then I realized that, well, they didn't, might not have gone to school for songwriting or for music, but they often had access to the best producers in the world who did. Mm. Like the Beatles, for instance, you know, the most successful band of all times, their producer was a classical composer who had a college degree in music. And he was sometimes referred to as the fifth Beatle. You know, he helped them a lot with with their, you know, bringing their songs out. And, and so that's a little bit of how I got started. And, I, you know, I would record songs as well, and, and I would learn from the producers that I work with. Uh, and that, and then I started looking into, you know, what's going on in Nashville. They had a bunch of workshops there. I'd take, you know, I'd study from everybody I could. I'd try and really learn. And, and what little information there was in books out there, I'd buy them and read them, and, and then I'd learn from the best uh, if ever, anybody was ever giving a workshop and I started putting all this stuff together and I thought wow this is really what songwriters need but you know a lot of them don't have the the means to go, go to or the desire to go back to college for music or you know maybe they don't have access to to good producers and and all that stuff is really expensive too and so I thought let me let me put together something. You know, at the time I was also studying a little bit about internet marketing to help me with my own music career and with other things related to business. And I thought, let me put together a, a course or, or a book or something that can help songwriters. And one thing led to another, and it, it, I ended up creating Songwriting Planet. And it's a company that has affordable, you know, programs for songwriters to help them learn the techniques that they're not learning anyplace else. And I also made it accessible in the sense that, 
You know, you go to Berklee College of Music, you have to learn, you have to know how to read and write music first before you get it, before you can get accepted. You know, there, there's all these requirements. And, and I thought songwriters really don't need a lot of those things. They don't necessarily need to have advanced ability in those areas. So I, I try to make it accessible for only what songwriters need without all the extra stuff that they may, you know, attain if they go to a college for music or something. But it, maybe it's a little bit of a sidetrack if they're just focusing on becoming better songwriters. So I try to tailor it strictly to, to songwriters. And Songwriting Planet was born o over 10 years ago now. I think it's been 12 years at this point. And it's been, we've helped thousands of songwriters with techniques to help them write better songs. Super cool. Yeah, and it definitely makes a lot of sense. Like as you're kind of telling the story and, and sharing your journey, I think hopefully a lot of people here can relate with that because we've you know, experienced, experienced something similar. So now that you have been doing this for you know about 12 years now, I know that you've worked with a lot of different songwriters, different types of musicians, and you've literally written the book on, on songwriting. What are some of the biggest, most common challenges or mistakes that you see songwriters making when they first come to you? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Mainly, they're just guessing. They're guessing at what they need to do for, you know, they, often I'll get songwriters who come and They'll say, you know, I wrote this verse and I want to write a chorus or, or vice versa. I wrote this chorus and want to write a verse. I want to, want to write another section and I'm not sure, you know, maybe I'll use this chord or that chord. I'm not sure where to go next. And I would ask things like, well, do you know what key you're in? And often they would say, well, what, what's, a, what's a key? You know, what do you mean by that? And then I would explain, well, if you're in a key, like you're in the key of C or the key of G, there are certain chords that go along with that key. And if you know what they are, that would be your first place to pick and choose chords for the next part of your song. Then I would explain how the system works and how there's, you know, a key is basically a tonal center that comes from a scale. And the scale has seven notes in it. And I can give them a quick reference so they can know what those notes are. And, each, and, and it also comes with seven chords that go along one for each note. And some are major and some are minor. And they go in a certain order. And if you know what they are, you can pick and choose those to start with. And you can put them in different orders, or you can use what's referred to as functional harmony, where you, you know, each chord has a certain function and does a certain thing. Like the one chord in the key of C is a C major chord, and that feels like you're at rest at home in that tonal center. And, the, you know, the five chord feels like you're far away from home and w wanting to draw back. You know, and the four chord feels like you're kind of traveling. And, and so each chord in the key has, has some kind of different function. And so you can look at it that way. And just that, that gives you some basic understanding. And then from there, you can get into more advanced chords, bringing, bringing in chords from outside of the key. But if you do it, it's often not just done randomly. You know, there's, there's chord families where you can draw from that, that's commonly used. You know, there's modal interchange chords and there's secondary dominant chords. And these are chord families that you can borrow chords from, mix it in from outside of the key to give more character to your song. And, a lot of songs in popular music, it either has song, all the chords are from one key, or it might, there may be one or maybe two chords mixed in from outside of the key, but that's usually it for like 95% of the songs that we hear in popular music. Because any, any more than that, you start getting into things that sound avant-garde and really out there and very more like you know, things you might find in jazz that, that become so complex that unless you really put it together well, you're, you're getting into things that can easily sound like you're playing wrong chords or wrong notes. 
And then, you, and then of course, you can take chords within the key and you can modify them with uh, other, you know, notes in them and, and so forth. So that, that's just chords, you know, but that's, that's a common question I get is, you know, what do I do next with my song? And I, I would ask something related to, well, do you know what you're doing now? And the answer would often be, no, I have no idea what I'm doing now. Just this just came to me and I have no training. And, and I have, you know, very little musical background. And so that's one area, but there are other areas as well. You know, there's melody writing, you know, there's song structure, you know, there's different song structures that you can use. There's the, the hook of the song, there's the, the arrangement of the song, you know, with the what type of instrumentation and what type of rhythm you've got. So there's a lot of different categories. You can kind of break it down and look at each one one at a time when you're developing a song and if you know certain techniques for each category you have kind of a checklist to go through to help you you know improve your song develop it and make it closer and closer to a to a hit song but if you don't know what you're doing at all you're just kind of guessing and that's what I see songwriters do as mistakes all the time is they're guessing and they don't realize that there is anything possible in the, in the realm of training. They feel like you either have it or you don't. And they, just, and they really hurt themselves with that misconception we have so commonly in our society. And so I try and help them break out of that and just get some fundamentals down. And counterintuitively, like the, the fundamentals that I'm talking about, these are not usually taught in music colleges because uh, writing music, if you get into that at all in music colleges, typically it would be music composition, you know, writing for instruments and, and it, it, it's kind of a different approach, you know, writing like composing like you might find in classical compositions. It's a, it's a different approach than so, what songwriters typically use and would need. So th there is a kind of a different way to approach songwriting that's more practical than you might approach things as a composer. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians, and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our Music Mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're gonna get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now and one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community 
And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor, and, and maybe the most valuable, is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Yeah, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. And next follow-up question that's uh, kind of a te- teed up from that is, what are some of those fundamental things that, that you really feel like probably should be taught you know, in, in music college for songwriting, but that you found as like kind of fundamentals that artists should, should really be aware of when it comes to songwriting? Well, here's a really interesting one, melody writing. I remember I had one teacher when I was in college. He said, you know, it's interesting that melody is not taught in music college. Melody writing is not really taught. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, wow, you know, in a way, you're right. I mean, a lot lot is taught about, like, chords and other aspects of music, but, but for some reason, melody is neglected. And I remember I, this, this idea came to me when I was, I was writing like a classical piece. I was writing a string quartet. And uh, I had a teacher, he had a PhD from Juilliard School of Music, one of the best schools of music in the world for classical music. And he was, I, I would bring it to him. I said, well, here's what I got. And I'm kind of not sure what to do next with this melody, you know, where to go, what I should do. Kind of the questions I get from my students these days. And he, and he thought about it for, for a second, because he'd been doing it so long, it, it's like second nature to him, and he doesn't really have to think about it much, but he thought about it and said, well, you just, you just use your basic melodic development techniques, you know, like fragmentation and, and retrograde and inversion, and, and you just use those, and you, and, you, and you take what you got, and you, you develop it from there using those techniques. And I thought about that, too, and I thought, yeah, I learned that stuff, but there was like a page and a half of information on it out of like this like three or four hundred page book that I was studying music theory in. that's all they had on melody writing and so I went back to that and I looked at those techniques and I memorized them and I and I started thinking well there's probably other techniques too you know I looked around or I thought about it I forget exactly how I put this together but I ended up coming up like over 50 different melodic development techniques to to develop a melody and I put it together in a, a book and ended up creating a book on melody writing because there seemed to be just a, a not enough information on this at all in any music college and there's actually still isn't I, I don't know any well I haven't looked into this recently but I, I haven't seen any music college curriculum where there's a class in melody writing mm-hmm. and so it's a it's a real missing missing piece and songwriters what do songwriters do what do you copyright when you have a song? You copyright the lyric and the melody. You know, that's what's copyrightable at the copyright office. That's what you can send in. And the other stuff, the, the chords, you know, that, that's not copyrightable. The song structure is not. You know, the, the, the different instruments, the arrangement, it's none of that it is. It's really the melody and the lyric because those are the two most memorable parts of the song that really define a song. You can take a melody and change the chord progression completely. You can reharmonize it with different chords and it'll still sound like the same song, you know, with the melody and lyric intact. But if you take a chord progression, put a different melody or put different words to it, it's a different song altogether. It, and so it's, it's, really important. it's really important, you know, it's not like a little thing. 
to to be good at melody writing. A lot of songwriters they will think of the melody and the lyric as kind of the the same thing. They're just part of each other. And I'm like, well, they're not. You could look at them differently. You could you could take look at the lyrics and you can work on the, developing them as a thing by itself and then you can look at the melody and work on your you know your pitch content your rhythms your the different aspects of your melodic phrasing and you can work on that independently and they're separate things and they, you should work on them as separate things and then put them together or go back and forth between them and so that's that's a really important thing that should be taught that's tip that's really it's really not you know it, 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 any place that I've looked into, it's 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 one of those things that's really neglected. Hmm. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I mean, the melody is such an important part of a song. You know, it's it's what people remember. It's what they hum along to. Is what they you know. So it's it is interesting that there's not more emphasis on it. Although I, I at the same time, yeah, melody is, in some cases seems like one of those things that it's like where the heck does this come from? <laughs> it's just like we're like yeah. channeling this like create like this, but but like everything like you're describing like you know there's there's patterns and there's training and there's practices that there's things you can do to improve it. So that's awesome that you wrote the book. It's called what? Melody Madness? Melody Madness. Yes. Yeah. Cool. And it's, that's available on, my, on, on our website. Awesome. So one, one question for you around, yeah, I think this is a pretty common question is around finding inspiration or finding like getting back into a groove of writing songs regularly. And when it comes to like, maybe we can even focus this just on lyrics All right so let's say that someone has um a progression they have some music or a melody and and maybe they even have like a hook or an idea for a title of a song or kind of like the chorus but now you know they, they need to develop the lyrics for it do you have any specific like exercises or tools when it comes to d developing their their lyric skill set yeah, so if they're working on their lyrics and they're, they're trying to develop it, well, one thing in general about songwriting, whether it's lyrics or something else, if, about getting started or getting inspiration or keeping things going, a lot of people feel like inspiration comes to them and then other times it doesn't and then they get writer's block and feel like, how do I get more inspiration to come to me? And I had one person say to me once, a mentor of mine, he said, you know, inspiration comes to you more often when you're working on songwriting, when you're writing. It comes to you more often when you're writing than when you're not. So rather than just wait for inspiration, you should start writing anything. I mean, just as exercises. You could just do an exercise or do a daily routine. So a couple of the things that people do in terms of lyrics to, to keep going with that is journal writing, where you know at, at night before you go to bed or first thing in the morning, you spend a certain amount of time writing in a journal. And some of it's to, to put down your daily experiences, but it's also designed to get the words flowing and to get better at weaving words together. And what you can do is eliminate some of the rules you typically have with English grammar when you're doing this, just so you can keep the flow of creative ideas coming more quickly. So forget about proper punctuation, allow yourself to have run-on sentences, you know, don't worry about if everything totally makes sense, just write and get your ideas out there. The, the whole idea, what you want to do is have your pen not leave the page. If, you know, you can do it, of course, with a laptop and type things in or, or an iPad or something, but you want to keep the words flowing and not just stop trying to be too analytical about your ideas. So you want to get the analytical mind kind of out of the way. 
And so let go of all the rules. This is more like a creative writing exercise where you just write and you keep in mind, you want to keep in mind that you're going to be, if you're going to use any of that for anything with your songwriting, you will have a chance to edit it later. And so often you, you want to have more information than you need and, and you want the ideas to keep flowing. So just, just writing and making it, making it a routine is really good. Another thing is to, to read. You know, a lot of the great lyricists out there, they were English majors. You know, a lot of the great songwriters, you know, who were, were really good with words, were known for that. You know, they, they had a literary background. They studied English and po poetry and, and, you know, different aspects of writing in school. And, and so they would read a lot. And so reading things that have a little bit more color color and their, their, the way they word things, I would, you know, I would, I would say in one sense the classics, you know, in terms of poetry and novels, but at the same time, you might want to stay a little bit away from things that are too old because it's just that you, you stumble over trying to understand the archaic English. And so things are a little more, it's, you don't have to keep looking up words to figure out what, what is being said or trying to make sense of, you know, things from over 150 years ago, it tends to be a lot of, a lot of words in there that you have to figure out what they mean because people don't talk that way anymore. It's interesting when you look at Shakespeare, as, as brilliant as he was, it, you know, you can realize in just like 400 years, the English language has changed dramatically because people probably used to speak that way back then. And now, we, you know, that stuff is really hard to understand and you've got to look up a lot of words and, and it's all these words that have fallen out of use, you know, they call it archaic language, in just a few hundred years. So language changes all the time. Modern poetry, you know, there's lots of great poets out there that are writing good stuff. Allowing yourself to read enough to get a sense for the imagery being used. I mean, there's lots of techniques I could talk about too in terms of uh, you know, actual poetic techniques that you might want to plug into your lyric writing. The one, one of them, one of the things that I see commonly as what I would think of as a mistake usually is when people write things that's very matter of fact without any imagery at all, like no, no specific things that you can visualize. And I would often say, well, let's go through your lyric one phrase at a time and just as an exercise, maybe we can plug in one, you know, noun or some kind of image of something that people, as soon as they hear the word, they can see something in their mind and do that one thing for each line and see what, what comes out of that. And often it helps, it helps a lot. The people who tend to be really good at this in, in all the different genres of popular music these days, you know, you got rock, R&B, country, folk, funk, you know, the, the different styles, right? The people who are pretty good at this are, the, are people who write country music. And uh, the only downside to that or limitation is that country music tends to stick around a certain topics, you know, that, that are, they limit themselves to the lifestyle of that culture. You know, the pickup trucks and cowboy hats and, and going to church the next morning after drinking too much the night before. And, you know, the topics that are, they, they've almost beaten to death some of these topics in that genre. So it, it is limited in that way in a sense, but at the same time, the lyric writers, they use a lot of good imagery and you can get lots of ideas from, from just reading that stuff. As long as you can separate, like, the, like you don't have to write about those topics, but you want to learn from the way they're using imagery. It, it, tends, it tends to be really good how they're, they're painting a picture with words, telling a story with, with images. 
And the, you know, one of the reasons that they tend to be good at it in that genre is because it's one of the rem few remaining genres where the songwriter is usually a professional songwriter and the artist is usually a professional performer and they don't typically blend the two together like they do in a lot of other styles. And that's the way songwriting used to be prior to um, bands like the, the Beatles and the Beach Boys when they came out in the 1960s. They were both bands that were really good at writing and performing. But prior to that, that was typically not done. It was there'd be a professional songwriter and then there'd be a professional performer and the two would be matched together by the record company. And you still find that in country music today where you look on an album of a, of a famous country artist and you'll find almost every song is written by a different songwriter. And the songwriter is, not, is usually not the artist. And, and so, so they have professional songwriters in that genre. So they get pretty good at certain aspects of, of songwriting. And in that style, in that genre, it's often lyric, very lyric-based. So they tend to be pretty good at, uh, you, know, you know, in some ways they, they say it's, you know, they're storytellers. They talk about themselves that way as storytellers. And, uh, so those are a couple things about lyric writing. Yeah, that's, that's super helpful. Yeah, that idea of going through the lyrics kind of line by line and asking yourself, can I actually visualize and see what is this, like what's happening in this line or is, this, is there an actual image or a symbol or something that I can, my, in my mind's eye I can see? It reminds me of a concept from digital marketing, which is the idea of you know landing the plane and the idea meaning if you like if you're talking about all these ideas in abstract sometimes it's okay to be like up in the plane but if all you're doing is talking about these abstract ideas and there's nothing that people can actually kind of grab onto then it's like you're up in the clouds and it's just too vague it's too abstract it's too, like that you can't necessarily visualize or un understand it but if you can imagine or ask yourself you know if someone is following you around with a video camera and they wanted to you know, actually capture what you're trying to communicate would it make sense? Would they like? How would they communicate it visually? And if you guys are like, okay, if in the song someone is carrying a video camera and they wanted to like, you know, to showcase what I'm saying here, like, what would it actually? What would be on the screen? What would be on the the camera? It's kind of an interesting, interesting practice. That's a great idea. Yeah, I, and there there are lots of things from other you know pursuits like business, for, for like you just mentioned, where you can apply those concepts to to art. Mm, absolutely. And one thing that you mentioned that I think is a really important topic or a big question that a lot of songwriters have is around the idea of, you, know, you just mentioned how a lot of the most popular, most successful musicians nowadays, they have a team or they have a lot of people they're collaborating with. And especially when it comes to songwriting, you know, so much of the game now it seems like is about co-writing and about finding the right people to collaborate with. And in some cases, an artist or a songwriter who's pretty early on, who not doesn't really have very like many chops or doesn't really have the chops to be successful on their own, they are able to collaborate with a room of a few different songwriters and you know, make an amazing song out of it. So I guess the, the question is, what would you recommend in terms of if someone's interested in you know, finding collaborators or co-writing, how can they go about finding the right people to be able to co-write with? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, often the collaborations that you're referring to, I see that a lot with people who have record deals. You know, and they're, they're often signed to a record deal because they got something marketable about their persona. 
maybe they're very young, youthful looking, and they're very attract, got a great voice, you know, things like that, that have nothing to do with songwriting. And, and so you, you, people like that, they may have those things going for them, but maybe songwriting is, is the part that they need help with. And if, if they have a, a record deal with a good record company, there's often a lot of contacts and they can be put in touch with, and there's funding for it, and they can be put in touch with people to help them, and often people will be hired to help them. And, and so the people that help them are usually, in terms of songwriting, would be professionals who are already good at co-writing, who already know how to do that. They've worked with a lot of people, maybe producers, maybe other songwriters. And so that's advantageous for those people in that, at that level. But I think what we're talking about here is, you know, we, we have both have companies related to helping independent artists. You know, people who don't have record deals and may, may not even want a record deal because, you know, there's, there's some downsides to that. And so how do they start collaborating? That can be a little trickier because you can get four people in a room trying to write music together and, you know, one is less talented than the other. You know, all of them have such little ability that are they really helping each other? Now, they, sometimes that works. You know, I heard, uh, I think, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, he said that the key is really getting together in a house with your band and living together. That was, that was what he thought the, the key for the success was for a band. And I thought, yeah, that could work, but it also could be a disaster. And you might end up hating each other. And, you know, and I've seen that more often than the other. I've seen where you know, it, it just falls apart. It's really rare where that type of situation works, where you have this brotherhood and where you're helping each other and it all flows well and you develop well. That can work if you're lucky. And a lot of people look for that when they're looking at, you know, the typical band scenario, like a rock band. You know, they want to have this brotherhood. And I did, too, when I was started out. And I found it was really hard to find. And often things, you know, didn't work well. And I found it was better. At one point, I'm like, I'm just going to hire professionals. It's going to work better. And, um, you know, it'll save me a ton of time. But, but in, in general, though, for what you're asking, trying to co-write with other people, you know, Craigslist and other places like that where you look for musicians and you can easily put up advertisements. You know, I'm a songwriter looking for another songwriter to work with and co-write with. You know, that's a good bulletin boards at music stores. You know, the, often, often they have music stores. You can put up a flyer with what you're looking for. You know, different places online. There, there's some other place online where you can find where you can look for collaborate, people to collaborate with on things. But keep in mind that some people are better at it than others. And if you're new to it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of skills you, you get comfortable with just from doing it. So you've got to try different people to work with and see how it goes. And you'll learn things about basically how to interact with people. You know, one of the things that can be really helpful is learning how to be you know, diplomatic. Like if somebody says, here's an idea, what do you think? You don't say, no, I don't like it, or you don't say it sucks. You know, that, that's not going to, that's going to hurt the other person's feelings. And they're, they're going to become less likely to present their ideas moving ahead, and they're going to be more guarded. So you don't want people around you to start becoming guarded as you're trying to co-write with them. You want to be accepting and positive about everything. So instead of saying you don't like it, you say, well, okay, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going with that. What else? Where, where can that lead to? What's the next idea that can come out of that? 
How can we improve that and make it even better? That's a good approach. And, and if somebody else that you're working with starts being negative, you can kind of coach them and say, it doesn't help when you tell me that this is no good. It would be more helpful if we stay positive when we look for, you know, what can you tell me that you're looking for that could be better? You know, you, you be, and be, be more specific. Like when somebody says, I don't like that, it's like, well, what don't you like? It's not just one thing. I, I presented part of a song, you know, it's got a melody. Do you not like that? It's got lyrics. Is there something about the words? You know, what about the words? Is, about, is it the, the topic, the story? Or is it the way I'm weaving words together? Is it the rhyming? Is it, you know, what is it specifically? And get the other person to think about what they don't like. And, and they may, if they have little training in this area, they may have to really rack their brain to understand what to say. I had to do this one time where I was co-writing with somebody and he had never written before with anybody. And also, he also wasn't really the most intelligent guy in the world either. And he said, oh, I don't like it. And I said, well, what about it? And I, I drilled him with questions about and, and presented all these different aspects of the song. And finally, he figured it out. He's like, wow, I really had to think about that. But that's the thing I don't like about it. And I forget what it was at this point. I think it was something about, maybe something about the lyric, the way I was, certain, certain images I used, or the way I was presenting certain ideas. He didn't like them. Once we finally nailed it down, I'm like, OK, I could change that and keep the rest of it. You know, I don't have to throw out everything. I could just throw out the part that you, you feel is not working now that I know what it is, now that you told me what it is. and. So we were able to keep, you know, we were, he was ready to toss out this whole song that I thought was pretty well developed. Had verse, pre-chorus, chorus, you know, had a bridge, had, you know, all the sections were pretty complete. And he's like, I just don't like it. And it turned out to be something really minor that he didn't like. And once it changed, like, it's like, oh, now the whole song's good. <laughs> I'm like, well, the, the whole song was already good. It was just like one thing that, that, that stood out for you so much that you couldn't get, see beyond that. So that's uh, something to keep in mind with co-writing, to be, uh, be specific in terms of what you do or don't think is working with the song. Don't say negative things like you don't like it or it sucks. Uh, uh, just point out the thing that you think needs to be changed. You know, I, th say, I think this aspect of it could be changed. And, and give, give ideas, give options. What if you took that, that idea and changed it like this. What if you took this, the, the rhythm guitar part? And what if you made it arpeggios instead of, instead of chords? You know, you're picking one note at a time instead of strumming chords. What if you, you know, give, give specifics. And if you don't know specifically what it is you don't like that's not working, think about it before you say anything. Try and figure it out. It's, it's usually not everything. It's usually not the whole idea. It's usually some particular component about the idea. And if you can point that out, that can be changed and the rest of, rest of it can be kept. You don't have to throw it all out. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and yeah, as, as you're describing that, one, one thing that popped up is that it reminded me of the imp improvisation. One of their lessons is that in comedy, they talk about yes and. Mm. And rather than saying, if, so if you don't like something that someone else did and being like that sucks or i don't like that or it was just essentially like no like i don't like that how that kind of kills the creative flow 
And it's almost like what you were talking about earlier with you know, having those two different mindsets. It's like at the beginning, it's like just brainstorming, let everything out, don't filter, don't edit it, because that's going to get in the way of you generating you know, your ideas, their creativity. And there's a time and a place for like the editing, right? But at the beginning, when you're writing it, it's not necessarily that the, the main focus of it. So if you say no, if you say, I don't like that, or that sucks, it's almost like you know, you're turning that off. You're, and instead saying yes and and so it's always like welcoming and saying like oh yeah that, that is a cool idea and you know what if what if this is another option as well like we also we also could do this right as a way to sort of like jujitsu kind of like redirect the flow but keep the keep the energy going in the right direction that that's a good point yeah yes and i've heard, I've heard that before i've heard that said before you don't say no say yes and you know, and like a question, what else can we do with it? And, and editing, you know, editing is super important, but, but there's a time and place for it. Like there's a time to not edit. There's, and that's when the creative ideas are first. Editing is not a good idea at that point because it, it stops the flow of creativity and you get in, in more of analytical mode. So you, I remember a student one time, he presented this melody. It was like one phrase, like a couple different notes. And he says, do you think that, I don't know if that's a good melody or not. What do you think? I said, I don't know either. I said, it depends on what you do next. It depends, you, don't, you don't have enough ideas there yet. You, why don't you, it's too early to edit your melody. You gave me like, like five or six notes, and it could be good or could not, depending on what you have before and after it. So maybe if you, if you string together a few more melodic phrases, then we might be able to look at it and say, is that good or not? And not even if it's good or not, but how can we make them work together so that they work in a way that sounds balanced? But it's too soon to edit. And, but, but editing, though, it's, it's one of the things that songwriters tend to be missing a, a lot of, where people will write a song, put a lot of work into it because they were inspired and say, look, I wrote a song. And I'd be like, no, you didn't write a song. You wrote a rough draft. And if you look at it that way with everything you write, you know, the first emergence of your song idea, even if it's a whole complete song, if you say that my song is a rough draft with the intention of coming back and looking over it more thoroughly, not just once, but in multiple occasions and refining it over time, it's, it's super important. And a lot of songwriters just don't do this. And the reason they don't is because they don't know what to edit. They, they often don't know what components of their song can be changed, what techniques they can use to edit their song, you know, how to develop it further. And so learning the basics. You know, in, in poetry, there's what they call literary, er, and, you know, literature in general, there's what they call literary devices that you can use. Things like, well, rhyming, of course, but a personification where you make an object seem like it's, it's got human characteristics, and alliteration where you have the beginnings of words, you know, have to start with the same sound and, and there's there's all these poetic devices that are commonly known for people who study you know literature and poetry they they learn these things and if you know some of them you can start to see how they show up in other people's lyrics and how you can use them in your own you know you start to get some categories that you can you can have when it comes to editing where you can start to use them when you edit your song, do, like, do I use any of these things? You know, am I, am I rhyming? Or maybe I don't want to rhyme. And that's okay, too. You don't have to rhyme in your songwriting, but you can choose not to. You have to realize it just creates a certain effect. When you don't rhyme anything, you get a little more 
like unst unstable effect. There's less of a pattern there, and maybe you need that because if you're if you're talking about like the war that's going on in Europe right now, maybe rhyming is not the best thing. It, it creates too balanced of a mood if you're going to throw in rhymes to for a song about that. Maybe you might not want to rhyme to fit the, the, the mood. But if you're talking about somebody you really love and you leave out rhymes altogether, maybe rhyming would enhance that because it brings it more into balance. And then there's not just rhymes as a giant category. There's, there's types of rhyme. You know, there's perfect rhymes, there's imperfect rhymes, and there's family rhymes. There's, there's all these different kinds of rhymes that you can use for different effects. And then there's your rhyme scheme. You know, you've, you've got, you can rhyme the first line with the second line and then the second line with the, or sorry, the third line with the fourth line, and then you have an A-A-B-B rhyme scheme. Or you can have line one rhyme with line three, and line two with four, and then you have an A-B-A-B rhyme scheme, and there's all these different rhyme schemes you can play around with. They all create different effects. And there, there's, there's a, just a ton of these literary devices you can use with your lyric writing if you become familiar with them. Hmm. That's super interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you, you probably already have you know, put together a resource. Maybe that's even something that you that was like a chapter in in the the book. But as you were describing this, I'm like, man, that would be a really cool checklist or sort of cheat sheet or something. Is just all of those literary devices like personification and alliteration and rhyming. But just sort of like here's the seven best literary devices that you can use as, as a cheat sheet when you're writing your songs. Could be kind of interesting. Yeah, well, actually, I put together a, a, exactly what you're describing, but not just for lyric writing, for all aspects of songs. I put together the 21 ways to write better songs, and it c covers these in, in pretty clear detail. It covers like what I thought were the most important things to know, and I think I've got about seven of them for, for lyrics, and, and then some for melody, and some for chords, and some for the hook of the song, and some for song structure, and, and uh, it's free. You know, I, I, for people who sign up for my email list at Songwriting Planet, they can get this for, for free. And it's really helpful. I've had a lot of people who reply like, thanks, this is, this is super helpful. Just having, because they, they can look at it like a checklist. Because I thought they were the, I thought of what, like, what's the biggest categories? What's the most important things that people should know, but they commonly don't when it comes to writing better songs? And I put them all together in a free ebook. Hmm, that sounds super helpful. Yeah, so so this is probably a good way to wrap up our, our interview for today. So first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and to share you know, the lessons that you've learned over the past 12 years teaching this. And for anyone who is listening or watching this right now who would love to connect more or dive deeper, could you tell them where can they go to, one, find that awesome resource with like the cheat sheet? And how would you recommend that they, what's the kind of the next step for them to be able to connect more with you? Sure, so you can go to songwritingplanet.com and there's a... There's a form on the on the website where you can get this free ebook that I mentioned, 21 Ways to Write Better Songs. So you can go there and, and put in your name and email address. It'll be sent to you. And you'll also be connected with, with us, so you'll be on our, our email list. So you'll get free tips about songwriting periodically. And we also have courses at, at the, where you can, you know, if you really want to learn things more in depth, we have video courses on different aspects of songwriting. And I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching that's available, too, on a limited basis. And, uh, yeah, it's all at songwritingplanet.com. Check it out. And, yeah, definitely get on our email list because you can, you know, if you, if you like the things we've been talking about and it sounds like something that could help, you know, you, you want to at least pick up this free 
ebook, it, it, it's helped a lot of people where they see things just explained very clearly about how to, you know, have a checklist for the different aspects of their song and, and to help refine it and do in the editing process. Very cool. Awesome. So like, like always, we'll put all the links in the show notes. Easy access to go grab the, the cheat sheet and join the, the tips and tricks list. So uh, like always, we'll put this, all the links in the show notes so you guys can go check them out. And uh, again, thank you so much, Kevin, for taking the time to come on here and share some of the lessons that you've learned. I, I think that songwriting is such a core part of you know what it takes to be successful as a musician. So I appreciate you, appreciate what you're doing. And until next time. Yeah! Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.